Welcome to The Window, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Well, today we're going to do the everyone in the pool edition of The Window. And the pool we're talking about is the tip pool, of course. Maybe a lot more people getting into that tip pool in, in the near future. Uh, this is sort of a, you know, we'll get a little wonky on some recent regulations, but then try to pull it back to the practicality of, of dining because there's been a lot going on in, in Washington in terms of tipping. Uh, topic we've covered quite a bit. This is topical because it, it, there's been a lot going on in the news lately, you may have noticed, and this one didn't really bubble up to the top <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. But in uh, March, sort of quietly, uh, toward the end of March, Congress slipped a little provision in the budget bill uh, that got passed at the last minute that weighed in on this contentious subject of tipping and then and, and put to rest what had been some um, – Outstanding reg- regulations that got a lot of attention back in back in the fall. So I guess we'll we'll start out with that. Well, I guess we'll just dive into. It. I sort of think of this as a story in maybe three three pieces. Like the first piece, you know, and we've talked a lot about tipping and and tip pooling and, and tip sharing and restaurants getting in trouble. And I know, Hannah, you've done a lot of stories about exactly that here around South Carolina and, and south of restaurants getting in trouble. Um, this whole thing dates really back to 1966. And if you really look at like the um, Sort of the the history of of this where this all goes um, in 1966 and one of the revisions to the what's called the FLSA the Fair Labor Standards Act Congress um, I think employers were saying look they were raising the minimum wage and employers were saying look I've got these yeah I'm, I run a restaurant I've got these employees they're tipped uh, so they're already getting more than the minimum wage and you when you count your tips in and, and Congress said well that that makes sense so they came up with this idea that uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go halvesies. So, employer, you don't you as as long as you can sort of document that your your employees with their tips are making more than minimum wage, you only have to pay them half of the minimum wage as their cash hourly wage, and there is, the rest they can get they they keep the tips for as long as it gets them above it. And that was sort of the way it was for for years and years and years. In 1974, there was a little bit of a revision um, because I, uh, the question came up about tip pooling, and it's clarified that. Um, all the employee, the, the employee who got the tip had to keep all of the tips except that they could pool it among, and this is sort of the key phrase, employees who customarily and regularly receive tips. And I think that's the way it was. When I was working in restaurants in the 90s, you got two thirteen dollars an hour. Uh, right. Which, we should clarify it's not actually half. It's not yeah, 50 Yeah, somewhere 50. along the line, it, it was half at the time it was passed. But, it, but then it somewhere, I think when they were raising minimum wage in the 80s or something, they said, okay, well – we're going to fix that piece at two dollars and thirteen cents an hour, which I think was half of the minimum wage at the time, which is four twenty five. Yeah. And it's stuck there ever since. Right. So yeah, when I was waiting tables, I got uh two dollars and thirteen cents an hour, um, and then all the tips. And that amounted to I think every couple of weeks, fifty, sixty bucks, because they would take taxes out. So really that was a small little piece of the of the pie, you know, when you're waiting tables, it's really the tips that you depended upon. And at the time, the tip out wasn't huge. You, you, they take like I think fifteen percent or so from the tips, and at least where I was working and sharing with, I think the bartender got a piece, the bus, the bus boys or bus bussers got a little piece of it, but it wasn't a big piece. Of it. Yeah, every restaurant I always, every, every restaurant I ever worked in calculated on total sales. So you yep. would, you know, a one percent of sales goes to the hostess. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah, remember it being a little piece that you paid out. Right, exactly. I paid out a lot more to the bar next door for shots sure. after work than I, I did for the tip out, but yep. um, but it was it was part of the deal. But then that started to change, I guess, in the 2000s. And, and you've written a lot about 
you know, tip pooling, and and I think we talked on previous issue episodes about some of the questionable practices that come up. Like what what counts as a uh, customarily and regularly tipped employee? Correct. So yeah, we've talked about this a bunch. It's I think it's really a fascinating example of case law. But we've <laughs> talked about you know is the sushi chef is the mariachi band. Um, is, I love the mariachi yeah, band. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. No. So it's very interesting. But this is currently still the law of the land is yeah. customarily and yeah, regularly. That part is still yep. is still there. Um, and, but this is like – so part two, I guess, of the story happened in 2011. So there's more and more of this going on where you know who counts as being – in the who can be in the tip pool. And there's a lot of confusion. And the other dynamic that was happening was where states were starting to pass their own minimum wage or additional minimum wage laws because the states can have a higher minimum wage than the federal minimum wage. And so some states were saying, okay, we're going to get rid of this whole, what they call the tip offset, which this whole thing of not being, you, you got to pay the minimum wage whether someone gets a tip or not in our state. Uh, and so as they did that, more and more restaurateurs were like, oh, well, if I don't have to, if I got to pay everybody minimum wage, why am I letting some people keep tips? Not we'll pull tips with everybody, cooks, you know, the dishwashers, hey, and even me, <laughs> hey, I work at the restaurant. Maybe as an owner, I'll keep a piece of that. So there's a lot of that going on. 2011. It was very gray. And it's pretty illegal. Any anything, any tip, of, any tip pool that involves a back of the yeah. house is pretty much well, illegal. As a, yeah, yeah, but the, the question was, well, we, we were already paying minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And so that was where the gray area became. And but it isn't so much a gray area because the the overriding principle is the tips are the property of the employee. Right. That's the important thing to keep in mind. And so you can go back all of these debates, but it really comes down to the tips are the property well, of the employee. Well, and that's where the Department of Labor in 2011, mm-hmm. this is sort of the, the second act, came in under the Obama administration. They said, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Tips were given to the employees. Um, rather they're getting minimum wage or not, you know, they, they get to keep them. Um, and that was actually the big. They, they issued some uh, regulations or some 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 rules in 2011. They basically brought in two different. You know, basically said required employees had to retain all the tips, regardless of whether they're making minimum wage or not, uh, except for being able to do the tip pooling with the customarily tipped employees. So only front of the house people, basically, who would who would get tips. And then there, that opened up many, many lawsuits, and that's when lots of employers started getting in trouble, and there's a whole bunch of back and forth and, and regulation. More and more states were passing these minimum wage laws. So that brings us up to last fall, which is, I guess, Act 3 of the drama, when the Department of Labor said, okay, we're gonna, we want to weigh in here again. We think the Obama administration messed up on that whole minimum wage thing, and they issued a, a, a proposed rule back in the fall. Now, proposed rule – doesn't go into effect. It, they post it, and it's open for a public comment period of at least sixty days, um, where people get a chance to weigh in and 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 give their their ideas. So this wasn't the law, but this is what they're proposing. They're basically going to say, "No, no, forget all that that mess." Um, they read the original 1966 Act as saying, um, "If you use tips to offset minimum wage, then these regulations can apply to you. But as long as you pay everybody a minimum wage." All bets are off. You can do whatever you want to with the tips, and it was a little bit vague in the in the rule itself. But when you started reading all the details, sort of like their examples and things, it's pretty clear that what that regulation was going to say was, if an owner wants to, as long as they're paying seven twenty five an hour to all employees, they can take all the tips, put them in a bucket, and the owner himself could. Uh, 
take the money and, and do something else right. with it. Right, and, yeah. and just to be clear, they made these very convoluted arguments. Are really, <laughs> oh, it was absolutely insane. It's really strange <laughs> saying basically that if the money ends up in the owner's pocket, but it makes the owner happier, it's a nicer workplace for the employees. So what are they complaining about? Yeah, they actually had this thing. And it was very clear from these, because they have to make all this justification and these rulemakings about the cost and the offset and all this. And it's very clear they had absolutely no data at all on what this would cost oh, anybody. Oh, well, that isn't true. They had data, but they hid it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they actually they, well, had, they, they hid the data they didn't it, like. Yeah, they have plenty of data. So this is going to cost, I mean, it's going to cost uh, servers and other front-of-the-house workers literally billions of dollars. There and was, it is um, a disproportionate impact on women yeah. is also important. Uh, my favorite argument of why they saw this, that this would actually be good for employees to, mm-hmm. to, to let you know, all their tips get taken away, was that the the owners and management might decide to take that money and use it for capital investment. In other words, they might expand their restaurant to add more seats and make a bigger restaurant and therefore, the employees would all benefit. Yeah, because good luck finding be, more employees. Yeah, if that's yeah, right. Why like make a, it bigger? But no yeah, if you wait tables, you. you could only wait on so many tables right. in a night. Having twice the size dining room doesn't help you out. It's, it helps the owner a lot if they can you know, use the money for an upgrade to the restaurant. So it's what we. But could. again, there's no obligation to do that. They're saying no. they can have it. So, so. Oh it, no, they could take it and buy a boat. They can exactly yeah. they can take it. So this is, I mean, this is why worker advocates are describing this as legalized theft. Yep. <laughs> well, it, um, <laughs> it, the original comment period, uh, which is they had to release, I think, 60 days, was supposed to end January 4th. Uh, it was extended until February. It had over 100,000 comments, which is just like most of these things get a few thousand from people who are very much on the inside. This was just, yeah, it was very explosive, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, lot of sturm and drong about it and, and back and forth. And... Everyone sort of expected that when I was reading back in stuff back in February, early March, that this probably lasts six months or more because they, they have to do at least 60 days, but they can go for much longer. So it would probably take a long time to earn it out. Not the case. <laughs> so uh, in the, the more lately breaking news, um, it didn't even – I didn't even know about this when it, it passed March 27th because, yeah, this was like on the edge of the budget, you know, shutting down the government and all that. The Congress passed the budget. On page 2025 of that of that budget, uh, Congress amended the Fair Standard uh, Fair Labor Standards Act, and it did actually address this idea. And what it made clear was two things: one is that employees um, w- employers were prohibited from sharing the tips with the employers, including managers or supervisors. But it got rid of that whole thing about the tip credit and about the customary and regular regularly tip. So basically, what Congress said is. Um, tip offset doesn't matter, regardless. What, you know, as long as you're you're paying, you know, however you're doing, you can pull the tips all you want and share them with anybody in the restaurant, front of house, back of house, cooks, dishwashers, except it cannot be a manager or a supervisor. And I think they said that they were going to define that in this case by whether you could hire or fire, which is a traditional definition, but has not always been used by the Department of Labor and yep. FLSA. Well, and, and that was like the – so it's sort of the law and then the rulemaking. So yep. the law was which said basically just manager or supervisors without defining what that was. So then it goes to the Department of Labor. On April 6th, they uh, issued with Field Assistance Bulletin 2018-3, a very interesting read. But um, – yeah, it, it, it went into a little bit more. It had sort of three definitions of a manager or a supervisor, which is that your primary duty is management of the enterprise. You customarily and regularly direct the work of two or more employees, and you have the authority to hire or fire other employees. So you have to sort of be in that, you know, 
managerial role. Right. And this is important because in, you know, because there is so much short staffing and people yep. are trying to recruit employees, they're handing out manager titles <laughs> left and right. So it is, it is interesting who gets like yep. qualifies and who doesn't. For so the commentary I was reading says that that's actually a lower, st- uh, a higher standard, it's a higher standard for <laughs> supervisor than you, one might expect. Mm-hmm. So that, um, you know, basically lead waiters, bartenders, head, you know, maybe even head, like the, the head cooks. Right. That's what I mean about these titles yeah. that they're handing out. So those people, um, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, if you're not eligible. really directing the hiring, mm-hmm. then you can share in it, you which means some get the money yeah. if they give out the money. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it. Yeah, that that sort of right. Uh, I think you know th- there'll probably be lawsuits over the details of the enforcement, but Congress clearly has the right to regulate the minimum wage, and so I think that settles it. Which means I think, and I'm not sure how restaurateurs are responding. It's probably a little too soon for people to respond. It just came out really in the last two weeks or so, but. Um, that means that tip pooling is completely legit, and you can share with anybody in the house, you know, unless you you can argue over who's a manager. Yep. So I, I think the takeaways from this are two. One is, as you already alluded to, there are states that have laws that not they would override this right. essentially. So some, which is unfortunate for the workers because the state, the more progressive states, they're. Um, they're not going to feel the effects of this. And so there may not be as much agitation against it is what I'm saying. So, you know, I mean, it's, they may, they're not going to feel this in Washington state necessarily. Yep. Um, so that, but in the South, I think but in the, the Southern South, restaurants, it will be they wide will. open. And yeah. so, so what I'm saying is it's unfortunate for the workers in that the states with a grand tradition of defending labor rights won't be as concerned with this because yep. it won't touch them close to home. Um, so I don't know how that will shake out, but you would think that this could potentially Potentially, after all sorts of you know reinterpretations and concerns on the part of diners and complaints on the part of you know servers, it could finally end tipping, which would be great. It yep. could be one of these <laughs> things where it makes everything worse, and then tipping just goes away. That's what my takeaway was uh, from it, or just yeah. thinking through is like this just so blurs the line now. It's going to take a while. You know, people aren't going to restaurants aren't going to change like overnight necessarily. But uh, over time, assuming this doesn't get changed in future Congresses, which is unlikely, I would think, um, that means that basically when you tip, you probably aren't going to know where it goes. You're just sort of like— You're writing a blank check yeah, you're just to the restaurateur, essentially. And I think diners are going to be reluctant to do yeah. that. So I think, again, so long as the message gets out, I think diners will be inclined to stop tipping. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, may, it may finally push us over the edge. Right. So, Amber, I, I know— we sort of got into this whole thing because we were talking, uh, I think, you know, a week or two ago about your recent experience with, mm. with tipping. And I know I talked a while back about my experience in some no-tip restaurants, but t- tell me about your recent run-in with an unusual tipping situation. Yeah. So I guess to start off with, I, I am on the same page with y'all. I hate tipping. I The thing I hate about it is um, it fits into this category of, like, I think really anti-consumer things. It reminds me, I think, like the most prototypical example of of this type of of thing that I hate is, um, for example, when you go to the store and try to buy eggs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to buy an ethically produced egg, and I'm aware of this idea that there are like all these different standards of of labeling, (laughs) but I don't actually know what any of them mean, and most consumers don't, and it feels like all of the regulations are actually there not to inform the the consumer but instead to to protect totally obfuscate exactly right i mean 
nobody knows what the difference between free range and cage free is. Uh, those humanely it, raised, exactly. And know. some some of those don't even ha- like humanely raised doesn't even have a legal standard that's just made up. Uh, so same thing with tipping. I, I f- am very aware of my ethical obligation as a consumer to tip because I'm aware of the fact that it subsidizes their income. Like they're not being paid minimum wage because they're being tipped. However, the regime of regulations around tipping is so complicated as a consumer, I don't understand it. And I feel like every single time I'm prompted <laughs> to pay a tip, or like especially now like when, when you're doing like these checkout apps or, or like in an app, a, a thing pops up and asks you to tip somebody, no idea what the expectation is, whether or not it is, um, you know, whether or not it's going to this person, whether or not I need to tip. Um, so all of this leads to uh, I had my first experience at a new bar in town where it's not new anymore. It's been around for a while. A poor tap room. There are a few of these around the, the country, so people may or may not be familiar with it. But basically, it's it's a self service bar. You go up in into this bar and it's you, the automatic bar. Is it right? It's, it's like an automatic for wine. It's one of these like um, pay with a plastic card system yeah. for beer. But it's funny when you say automatic bar. I have not yet seen this in the cocktail sphere. I think that would be yeah. actually pretty awesome if you're like, I'll take two ounces of this and ounce of that. Shake well, it they, the they do they do have a few house cocktails at poor. Oh, really? But they're yeah. pre-batched, right? It's not, yeah. yeah, you're not actually like working the... Right, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that that was... Give me two dashes of bitter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and really I, actually, I actually didn't really love any of their cocktails. I, I feel like the problem is cocktails need to be made. As as saying, this is not yeah. an ideal setting for a yeah. cocktail, for sure. Um, anyway, though, so you're you're doing all of it yourself. You're grabbing a glass, you're going to the, the tap, you're pouring it yourself, you're picking out what you want. Once you paid you may not interact with a server at all until you go to check out. But when you do, the register is it's one of those square type situations and it's going to pop up and ask you to give a tip. And it's actually a little bit tricky because it doesn't really give you the option to not tip. Mm. You, you have to kind of finagle your way through the menu and then leave a 0% tip. But that feels really like I, I, you <laughs> you're know, working to say I'm not going to give a tip. Right, yet. exactly. <laughs> I, I had I did not have service. Right. Like I, I maybe somebody came and, and grabbed a glass at one point. I um, had that very similar experience. I was stuck in New York uh, a while back during one of the nor'easters, and then when I was finally flying out, I ended up delayed in LaGuardia. So I got to spend oh, plenty yeah. of time with the <laughs> iPad menus, yes. which I've talked about in the past, which I can't stand the iPad menus. But a, an interesting dynamic there is you sit down, you have the iPad menu, no one comes over to you, no one brings you a menu, it's it's locked in front of you on a stand, and you swipe through it, you you see your pictures, and you pick, I want the sandwich and this beer, and then, okay, and then it says, do you want to put a tip on there? So at this point, I've not received, I mean, there has been no service right. yet. I'm hoping you'll be good. I guess if I don't put a good tip, maybe we'll come out, you know, it, it, it totally flips the whole it, which has been a, a bogus notion for a long time, but flips that notion that this is somehow like, you know, consumers choosing to reward. No, it, right. I put 20% because I know the people working there aren't getting paid a whole lot. And they were getting two thirteen an hour, so I wanted them to get some money. Mm-hmm. So I put in 20% hit, or at least, or, and then hit the – of course, how would you go more? They're, they're, I don't right. know what – I'll do a 20% mm-hmm. and just surcharge, and then they'll bring my plate over. And that'll be the last time I'll see yeah. that person. Because you right. pay with a credit card before the food comes. <laughs> right. So, like, that's what I'm saying is in this situation, um, I got no service, so I'm inclined <laughs> not to tip. Like, I don't know what I'm tipping. 
Um, but then again, the second that that pops up or the second I see it on a, on a receipt line, I'm, I'm, I immediately wonder, oh, no, am I, do I need to because are these people not getting paid? But that seems that would seem absurd in this situation. Right. And it's actually in some ways, although you can't have the discussion, it's a collective decision because if nobody right. tipped, they do get paid minimum wage because they can only claim the tip credit if they can show that there are tips bringing them up to minimum wage. So yeah. if nobody tipped, they have to pay a minimum wage by it, law. Yeah, it just it, – it, I always thought that t- tipping was just, you know, this outdated relic of a of an earlier time when, you know, the the tiny majority at top threw money downward at the, you know, a, a small pittance downward to the, the the people who were serving them. But uh, as I was looking at that, that that we, we you, you brought this up earlier about the two dollars and thirteen cents an hour, and that, I was really stuck on that because originally it was half of minimum wage. Right. And it was going up and going up. And I think uh, – I didn't prove it. I'm pretty sure this happened in – I remember when there was a big move in the 80s to raise minimum wage. It hadn't mm-hmm. been raised in a while. It was a big deal. And I think it was a compromise coming out of that. But I do think that that really did shift our attitudes toward tipping when you suddenly fixed the floor at $2.13 an hour. Because as the minimum wage has gone up to seven twenty-five, that's no longer half. That's like a, you know, a third mm-hmm. uh, of the minimum wage. And you're – you're leaving more and more money on the table. Tipping used to be 15% in restaurants. You know, when I, I, when I was um, sure. waiting tables, I, I got very good at calculating 15%. Yeah. You know, I knew exactly what that was because so I could look at it. You had a $78.13 check. I knew if you tipped well or not. Um, that's back when people had all the complicated tip cards in their wallets because mm-hmm. 15% right. was customary. Somehow, I'm not sure exactly when it, it, it bubbled up. I think 20, I would say 20% is sort of standard now. Um most people, I, I think, but somewhere along the line, it, it switched from, like, it switched over to like the like, people who were sort of conscientious, sort of knew I got to do at least twenty percent. You know, not because I'm I'm rewarding somebody, I'm doing it because I know this person's not getting paid very much, which is a totally flipping on the head. The the, the whole notion, I think, it just made. And then, and then this whole pooling thing now makes it completely ridiculous. Now I'm basically just sort of you're charging me money for food, but I'm going to throw some extra money on top to pay the, now I'm paying the entire staff. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't really get the points. Just charge me a little extra and we'll, we'll go on from there. I think at a minimum, I, I don't know if this is, this may be the beginning of the end of tipping, but it's not going to collapse over the course of 2018. I think it's going to be a no, slow, it won't be overnight. <laughs> probably a slow limping crawl. You probably see just more and more places. I, I'm hoping this will give a little boost to the arm for folks like Danny Meyer, who now who, who experimented with no tipping restaurants and have sort of taken a hit for doing it. I think they're doing the right thing. Right. And um, it would be great if it did um, incite a move toward transparency yes. where the restaurant was like, this is what we're doing with your yeah, money. And that was you actually know. the key because I think yeah. Emory, you were telling me you were into the Daily, which is a sort of, I guess, coffee shop and yeah, sort of gourmet sandwiches, sandwiches yeah. and, and pastry kind of place. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, part of it's owned by or run by the Butcher and Bee people. Um, so kind of similar fare. Yeah, the, the what I really liked about that is um, right there next to the the register, they have a little tip jar, and right there on on the jar is a sign that explains explicitly tips are not um, expected; they are completely extra. They are pooled, and the people like, but they're not part of the the person, or they're not part of the, the wage. Right? right, they're not pooled in the legal sense. They're yeah. they're it, they acknowledge they're, they're it's an illegal yeah. pool. They're yeah. shared, yeah, yeah <laughs> among all staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, and, and I'm and, like, yeah. So I, I would love something like that, it, like a, a um, disclosure requirement. I mean, you know, we have all this like attention focused on like oh, putting like calories on menus or. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, right. well, what about just like putting the hourly re- wage like right. next to their like you know health score or yep. something? That, yeah, that is interesting. I don't really expect it out of this administration, but that was part of the one of the one of the laws back in the seventies when they allowed tip pooling. Mm-hmm. Is that part of allowing tip pooling was there was, there was a notification requirement, but it was into the employee. So the employer had to notify the employee that, hey, we're going to pay you less than minimum wage, but you get the tips, and we're like, here's how we pull them. So you had to have mm-hmm. some transparency, at least with the people, so they understood how they were getting paid. So right. when just at the end of the night, you got, here's an envelope for cash. I'd, good luck figuring out how I calculate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I, I like that, definitely think that's the first and foremost thing. And you don't even need a regulation for restaurant owners to do that. Just put a sign up, put a little notice on your menu. You know, right, and actually it. I ran into this recently. I was on the website for um, Blue Hill Stone Barns for an unrelated reason. And so they too, and they they um, they articulate this also very clearly saying this is not a tip. This is a 20% administrative fee and this is used to supplement wages. I mean, so that's fine. I mean, obviously we've talked about this before. If you want to pay your help better, then you have to just charge more. And that's what they're doing. They're breaking out as a percentage rather than folding into each tasting menu. Um, but they're, they're saying this is not a tip. This is just the cost of labor. Yeah. And it's, and my, I talked about this when we talking about dining at Danny Day Meyer's uh, restaurants. It is weird when you go into a restaurant that is gotten rid of tipping and has raised prices because everything looks more expensive because our prices are just your mental price setting has adjusted to sort of automatically factor in that 20% so that, you know, whatever is a good price for a beer in your head, you know, you sort of factor that in. So it's going to take a while until everybody normalizes to, to adjust that. So I think the admin fee is a good way to, to do that. So you still see the low price, it's sort of like not including sales tax, right? right. <laughs> Which is another topic that's gotten a lot of people in trouble, but People sort of adjust to the sales tax part, but I still judge the, how much the shirt's worth before tax. <laughs> I don't bake tax into it. So I do think uh, the death of tipping, maybe, hopefully, it's starting to stagger, but it, it will probably be a while. I'll be curious to see. I, I assume these these regulations will stick. They haven't gotten a lot of attention yet because I think there's so much else going on. But once people start to sort of, you know, I hope so. It's, it's, on, it's, a, it's a risky strategy to say, yeah. let's make it so much worse, then let's just hope it goes away, which is not what they're trying to do. They just want to make it worse. Um, <laughs> I, I don't well, know. I think, that, the, I think the original legislation is pretty clearly which side of the fence that that, that one was falling right. on. Who, do, who, do, who deserves the money, right? right. The, the, uh, the, the job make, job creators deserve all the, all the money. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Congress did clarify it, which is good, but then it, by throwing out the whole tip, the tip pool thing, it's just sort of almost. It made the rules clear, but the practice not so clear. It, you know, it would make the execution really un, really unusual. Yeah. It does remind me, it's it's very annoying how successful Lyft was, you know, the ride-sharing app, mm-hmm. at pitching um, the, the tipping feature as being like a pro-driver thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that actually Uber felt compelled to add that. Right. But the whole problem is, you're not paying your workers enough. And yep. I resent the hell out of the idea that as a consumer, I'm being expected to subsidize. That was actually, yeah, yeah. And I've, I went from being a really excited about Uber when it first came out to now just not enjoying it at all. And the, the tipping, adding tipping in makes it, is one more bad thing. I like the idea that, get, yes, get rid of this whole crazy tipping thing. Why mess with it? And and I don't know why I hand a taxi driver tips. Does he actually get to keep it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is much better just to say, yeah, just have a flat sum. You work it out with the driver. You pay him a, a, a rate that they'll drive for. Mm-hmm. But right. now now you're admitting, yeah, yeah, we can't get people to drive for us, so we need to start throwing 
tips on top of it. Yeah. I had an interesting tipping situation recently. Which, so you personally in a restaurant or? Uh, no, I was personally undercover. Ah, so okay. I was working on a story about personal chefs. And in order to do so, I went undercover as a sous chef with a couple of these guys. <laughs> did you have to wear like a white I did. I did. Yes, I did. So yeah, the whole thing. So they brought the chef's jacket, but I had to get the white shirt and the black pants and my black shoes. And and it was great. I got to tell you, you spent all week like thinking and writing, spending Friday night chopping onions. I can't recommend it more highly. That sounds just wonderful. Just so pleasant. So lovely. And so again, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy for the, the chef, but being a sous chef, being a kitchen grunt at the end of the week, it's really relaxing. So I go and do this and it was working at a uh, home down on Rainbow Row. And, you know, it got to the end of the dinner and the chef was cleaning up and the owner of the home came in. She said, oh, where did where did your helper go? I have a tip for her. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, 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 she's fine. And, and he said, no, she, she was great. She was really, really, really good. So the chef calls me. He's like, hey, I've got a tip for you. I was like, well, I can't accept that, clearly. Although I really did chop those onions well. I was like, I can't accept it. But then as it turned out, and, and Ember, you can weigh in on the journalistic ethics, First, I told I said, well, give it to charity. And he's like, no, no. I was like, he's like, you, you earned it. You really, you chopped those onions really well. He's like, I insist on giving it to you. And I realized if I left it in his hands, not knowing what he would do with it, it's like I paid a source. Because it was, I tell you, it's $60 we're talking about. We're not talking about five bucks. We're talking about $60. So I took the envelope. Anyways. But <laughs> well, now we got you on, on tape. I think you were paid for work you did. That's fine. I think that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, I was undercover. I was paid for doing work. I've never been paid on assignment before, but clearly, I need to do these assignments more frequently. I think yeah, but, but take the sixty bucks and do something you know virtuous with it, and then right. and then you'll be good. Cool. All right. Anyway, so it was a, so it was a Friday night well spent. Sixty dollars is a lot of money. Oh, that, that's not bad. Yeah. For, you know, on top of uh, you know getting a story out of right. It. Exactly. All right, and that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the untipped podcasting studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, please help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the... I don't want to call him conscientious. He's very worried about tipping, doing the right thing. <laughs> Great. Jay Emery Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Till next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat. <laughs>